1: Parents have always been a little concerned about their kids watching cartoons. They worry that they watch cartoons too often or they sit too close to the screen. Maybe the cartoons that they watch are violent or send a less than positive message. But what if a cartoon had the power to actually hurt your kid, like physically? Now that would be some serious cause for concern. And that was the situation in December 1997 when an episode of Pokemon aired in Japan. The morning after the episode aired, reports began to surface of kids being taken to the hospital after watching the show. More than 12,000 children had experienced dizziness, blurred vision, or nausea. They became disoriented and some seemed to be having seizures. The cartoon seemed to have given thousands of kids seizures spontaneously and without warning. People panicked. The show was nearly cancelled. But things aren't always what they seem. And some parts of this story have never added up. Yet the episode still holds a lot of lore within the Pokémon community. Today, we'll get into the truth of the matter and the impact this episode had on Pokemon fans around the world. Oh, and by the way, this has nothing to do with water or ice. This is Science Solved It, and today's episode The Pokemon Shock. Welcome to Science Solved It, motherboards show that explores the world's greatest mysteries that were solved by science. I'm Kaylee Rogers. In case there's anyone out there who is unaware, Pokemon is a cartoon and video game franchise, but it's so much more than that. It was created in 1995 by video game designer Satoshi Tajiri. The stories revolve around these creatures called Pokémon, which is a portmanteau of Pocket Monster. The creatures have different powers and battle each other and are trained and collected by people known as Pokémon trainers. There's a lot more to the show and to the games, but if you're totally unfamiliar, this should be enough to help you get through the episode. In the late 90s were really the height of Pokémon's popularity. The trading card game, the TV show, the movies, everything was peak Pokémon. Millions of children tuned in every week to watch the latest episode of the show. And the episode that aired on December 16th, 1997 was no different.
0: You had this, this cartoon, this Pokémon cartoon that at the time was one of the most popular cartoons in the whole world and certainly throughout Japan.
1: This is Benjamin Radford.
0: I'm an author and investigator. I've written 10 books and I have degrees in psychology and education, among other things.
1: Benjamin also published a scientific paper explaining the phenomenon behind the Pokemon shock, but we'll get into all that a little later. This particular episode of Pokemon aired on a Tuesday evening after supper time. In this episode, the main characters get transported inside a computer to this kind of digital alternate universe.
0: The figure uh, Pikachu, who looks something like a yellow rat with an electric tail, he ends up in a computer world, and he's in the middle of a battle with a villain called Porygon.
1: While inside this computer world, an antivirus program starts to attack the main characters, and what follows became an infamous scene in the episode— Pikachu, probably the most famous Pokemon, he's the little yellow guy with the lightning bolt for a tail. Pikachu attacks the program using his powerful Thunderbolt attack. At this point, the animators really wanted to highlight that this is the climax of the episode. So they used a special animation technique known as Paka Paka. The
0: Paka Paka technique is basically where you have a series of black and white flashes, or and sometimes colors. You have like blue and yellow, red and yellow, and it just goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth.
1: This rapid flashing of red and blue is very dramatic, and honestly, it is a little disorienting to watch. The colors alternate at a rate of 12 flashes per second for approximately 6 seconds. Many people were convinced that this flashing caused thousands of kids to experience seizures, the kind that are triggered in people with photosensitive epilepsy.
0: There were hundreds of people who went to the hospital, mostly kids, complaining of convulsions, headaches, and vision problems.
1: Now, cartoons and even GIFs online really can cause seizures in people with this kind of epilepsy. It's awful, and scientists still don't totally understand why these flashing lights and strobes can trigger a seizure. They just know that they do. After the episode aired, reports started to circulate about children having strange physical reactions like dizziness, blurred vision, nausea, and convulsions. They called it the Pokemon Shock. And there was a major public reaction.
0: Immediately, there was panic because people were terrified that, you know, what's this cartoon doing to us?
1: The television station that aired the episode issued a public apology. Police were ordered to question the show's producers. An emergency meeting was held at the Department of Health. Nintendo, which created Pokemon, saw its market shares plummet. And the studio that produced the show went on hiatus. They refused to release new episodes until they could sort out what had happened and prevent it from ever happening again. The show was nearly cancelled. In some ways, this reaction makes a lot of sense. The idea that your kid being hurt by watching a children's cartoon is terrifying. And it's not something that any parent wants to happen. People were understandably freaked out. But to Benjamin... The whole thing just didn't add up.
0: There were two competing theories about what had happened. The first one was that it was an episode of what's called photosensitive epilepsy. And photosensitive epilepsy, or PSE, is a condition in which people who have a pre-existing condition sometimes can have seizures when they have lights that flash into their eyes.
1: The rate of photosensitive epilepsy is only 3% of people who have epilepsy. That works out to about one in every 4,000 people. But the number of kids who reportedly reacted to the episode of Pokemon was much higher.
0: There should be 1.2% or maybe 8% of kids, not so many. And so that that was the big mystery.
1: Did Japan have an unusually higher rate of photosensitive epilepsy compared to the rest of the world? Or was something else going on? When we come back from the break, I'll chat with a Pokemon expert about the fallout from this episode and reveal what Benjamin found when he started to dig a little deeper into the Pokemon shock. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a quick minute to remind our listeners to rate and review the show. It's the best way for us to get in front of new audiences... And if rating isn't really your thing, you can just send it to your friends, send it to your parents, send it to your kids, send us a tweet, let us know what we can do better. Any of these would help us out a lot and allow us to grow the show until we inevitably take over the world. Or just, you know, have a good podcast. Welcome back. When the infamous Pokemon Shock episode aired, it wasn't just Japanese parents who were freaked out.
2: I remember my mother being a little bit in hysterics because she knew how into the show we were. This is Joelle Monique. She's
1: a West Coast correspondent for BlackGirlNerds.com. I review
2: films, video games, and comic
1: books. And she's a bona fide Pokemon
2: expert lifelong Pokemon fan. Uh, First game was yellow. (laughs) I've been playing the card game a whole lot recently.
1: Joelle told me that there was a lot of panic about this episode when news of it hit the US. Many parents who were already squeamish about how Pokemon had taken over their kids' brains got super worried.
2: In America, I feel like it was a lot more hearsay because the episode never aired here. So There's just a lot of hysterics about what might happen, what could happen. I was concerned that I wouldn't be allowed to watch it anymore because, again, the misinformation made it seem as though, like, any episode could do this to you and you really needed to be walking out and on your toes.
1: In fact, she wasn't allowed to watch the episode and she never got a chance to see it until years later when she was away at college.
2: In college, we threw a party in order to watch the episode. We projected it. There was a bunch of friends there. I had a couple of friends who said they felt a little bit dizzy afterwards, but I personally didn't feel anything, and I was a little bit disappointed, I think, as a fan who heard nothing about how horrible and difficult it was to watch the episode. It was just another episode of Pokémon at the end of the day.
1: Joel said that there was some excitement in the air, but... Nobody really thought they would have a reaction. Some of her friends said they felt a little sick, but nothing serious happened.
2: As soon as Pikachu goes up to uh, launch his Lyptusian like attack, you're like, oh gosh, here it comes. And then you see the red and blue when it's flashing, and you're like, that's it. Okay, I guess.
1: In the end, Joelle thinks that the original panic was just the latest overreaction to Pokemon. In the 90s, across the US, there was a lot of concern about the franchise. The trading cards were being banned in schools. Some schools worried that kids were getting too distracted. Others straight up thought that trading Pokemon cards promoted gambling. Even others didn't like the fact that the characters in Pokemon can evolve, since they don't believe in evolution. Even in cartoons. Joelle told me it's an example of wider reactions to the kind of fiction, games, and worlds that kids are drawn to and that
2: parents often dislike. I think this plays more outside of Pokemon. If we look at that time period, we've got a rise in video games and a lot more screen time happening for children. And just as we're seeing today with do we let our two-year-olds use tablets or not, there's a huge concern about how much imagery children are consuming and how much damage it does to them. And I think that was kind of like, this was proof, like, look at what could potentially happen from watching TV. And I think Pokemon was just in that perfect sweet spot of, we don't understand this new show and something scary has happened.
1: There's a lot of fear around what our kids are exposed to and what they consume. The Pokemon shock was like the ultimate justification of limiting what your kids can engage with. If you're not strict and censoring at all times, your kid could literally get hurt. Except, that's not what really happened. As I said before, photosensitive epilepsy affects less than 1% of the population. That would account for some of the kids who had reactions, but not all of them. And the creators of the show noted that this pack paca technique, they'd use this all the time. It was really common. Why would this episode bother kids, but not others? Benjamin, the researcher who cracked the case, he was wondering the same thing. So he decided to find out.
0: I was like, you know, that was a weird case. Like, nobody had actually solved it. I mean, there were doctors who were baffled. That fascinated me. But I thought that I could maybe bring something to the investigation, so I chose to sort of reopen the case just for my own curiosity to see if I could maybe figure out what happened.
1: See, Benjamin had spent some time researching psychological phenomena, including something called mass hysteria. This term is sometimes used flippantly, but it's a real condition that has a specific definition.
0: There will be a couple index cases. There will be a few people, maybe a dozen or so, who will actually maybe have some sort of symptoms. They may have blurry vision, they may fall unconscious, they may have seizures, they may have something odd. And then what happens is that it spreads to other people.
1: Mass hysteria occurs when people are under stress to the point where they self-produce physical reactions. They're convinced by external influences that something will happen to them, and then it does. Famous examples include the dancing plague of 1518, when multiple people in France began compulsively dancing for days. Some of them had heart attacks and died. They literally danced to death.
0: So one person will have some very visible symptom. They'll start coughing or they'll complain about having headaches. And then other people in that same area will see that and they'll like, oh, I feel that too. I feel that too. And then all of a sudden you have this, this contagion, this, this literal social contagion.
1: It's important to note that people aren't faking mass hysteria or pretending to experience symptoms. What they're experiencing is very real. It's just not caused by any factor other than stress and their beliefs.
0: It's not that they're faking it. It's not that they're imagining it. The the symptoms are real. It's just that they're being caused by being exposed to other people exhibiting those symptoms.
1: Benjamin started tracking the reported symptoms and noticed that they had a lot more in common with mass hysteria than with epilepsy. This made him suspect that maybe mass hysteria was actually to blame, but... How could it be mass hysteria if all the kids were watching at the same time? They wouldn't be influenced by any expectations because nobody knew that the sequence caused seizures, not until after the fact.
0: There were all these kids, mostly kids, some adults, who were in their individual homes across Tokyo and across Japan who had independently had these seizures. And if that was true, then it couldn't be mass hysteria. Because the whole point of mass hysteria, the way that it works, is their social contagion. That is, people are together, they're influenced by each other.
1: Benjamin investigated the timelines and found that the story we all accepted wasn't quite accurate. Lots of kids watched the show live, but a lot of them watched it the next day, after news reports and schoolyard chatter had spread the word of the Pokemon shock.
0: I realized once I began making a timeline that the Pokemon episode didn't just occur on the night of December 16th. It actually unfolded over that week. So what happened was that on the first night, there were, in fact, by report, 618 children who were taken to hospitals. The next day, I found news reports talking about how the Pokemon attacks were the talk of the schoolyards. Well, of course they were. And then the next day, it was fascinating to trace this in the newspapers, because the following day, on Thursday, December 18th, Yomori Shubun newspaper reported that nearly 13,000 children had reported at least minor symptoms, and 686 were taken to the hospital. And I said, there's a red flag here. Like, whoa, hold on a second. We went from 618 kids who went to the hospital on Tuesday, suddenly 13,000 went to the hospital, and I realized there's something else going on here.
1: When you tease apart the number of kids who had seizures the night of and the ones who reported symptoms the next day, it turns out only a small number of kids were really affected. Well within the expected percentage of kids who would have had photosensitive epilepsy. Some kids were affected in this way. But the rest? They were succumbing to mass hysteria.
0: There were about 600 kids who genuinely did have headaches and convulsions and breathing problems. And then it wasn't until two days later when everyone's hearing about it, everybody in the schoolyard is talking about it, all the kids are talking about it. And that then was the key because that provided the opportunity for the contagion.
1: Benjamin published the results of his investigation in 2001 in the Southern Medical Journal. At the time, it got a lot of press, but soon the solution faded while the story of the Pokemon shock remained. Of course, Pokemon wasn't canceled. The franchise recently enjoyed a surge of renewed interest with its Pokemon Go augmented reality game. But for fans like Joelle, this episode remains a tantalizing chapter in the Pokemon saga.
2: Because we knew the dramatic range and stories that you hear from epilepsy to vomiting to, again, just dizzy spells. I remember we have like extra water on hand. We were not prepared. It was not like preparing an emergency kit or people on standby. It was just a fun kind of kickback. Uh, I think the the dramatics of it at that point had passed. Cartoons, it
1: turns out, aren't really that powerful. But the rumor mill? Now that can be genuinely dangerous. Science Solved It is a production of Vice Media and Motherboard. For regular updates on the show and to see a clip of the episode, fair warning, visit motherboard.vice.com. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and rate us. It helps us find new listeners. And you can tweet us at Science Solved It. We're always happy to hear feedback. This episode was produced by Tim Barnes and me, Kaylee Rogers. It was edited by Tim Barnes. Production assistance was provided by Doug Geist, Cheru Singh, and Emma Griffith. Our theme music is by Reximus. I had a few requests for the full version of the song, so it's going to be available at soundcloud.com slash motherboard. Thanks so much for listening. Next week on Science Solved It.
0: (laughs) I don't know why. I don't know why they would drink it, but probably just because it's, you know, something novel, something weird. So why not make a tea out of it? I don't know.